You're listening to a BGE podcast. Friends and family gather round and fire up the barbecue. Let the smoke waft and float. That's what we're gonna do. You can't deny there's nothing like. Welcome back to another episode of the Blind Grilling Experience. We've got a special guest, Miss Chef Deborah Erickson from The Blind Kitchen joining us today. And we've got lots to talk about, recipe to share with you as well. Stay tuned. Welcome back, folks. My name is Chris Peltz. I am the most interesting griller in the world. And today we've got one of the most interesting chefs in the world, Miss Deborah Erickson with TheBlindKitchen.com. How you doing, Chef Deborah? I am doing excellent, Chris. Thank you for having me back. I always enjoy my time with you. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And uh, you've had a lot going on, a lot of updates with not only product and things on the website, but uh, you're getting you're getting pretty famous, some recognition uh, around the world here. We did get recognized. I'm not sure famous even comes close to it, but we are very honored and proud to have received the Audio Description Project Award for an individual for audio description from the American Council of the Blind. We were shocked and honored and just it feels really good to be recognized for work that we're doing that we don't have to do. But that's what the Blind Kitchen does. It wants to be as accessible to anyone on the vision spectrum, no matter where they are. And that was really nice external validation. Mm-hmm. I get goosebumps again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and last time you were on, I mean, I, I just, I went on, I think I went on a little bit about the beginning of your videos with the, the little, um, you know, the, the muffins or cupcakes jumping in the, the little, the muffin pan and, and the audio description that goes with it. And, and just the whole, you know, they're whistling and saying, come on, and, and just making the the Braille dots for TBK, the blind kitchen. I, it, <laughs> I'm impressed. I was <laughs> impressed then. I'm still impressed today. I love listening to it. And I think it is well-deserved and uh, it's awesome. I really do. Well, thank you. Edgar Garcia Chavez from of Nayo Creations, he um, is my videographer and I have to give all the credit to him for how it turned out, how it all came together. I understand it's very time consuming, but he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And that's cool that it was, you know, it it, it was recognized by ACB. Um, and, you know, it, it it's, it's one of those things, especially when you have groups and organizations that are looking at and pushing for audio description and things and, and, you know, uh, recognizing those who are taking the time to really put that into practice. Uh, I do think it's important. It's a, it's a great thing. And, um, and, and with what you guys did, it was well-deserved, no doubt. So. Well, thank you. As a blind consumer, audio description means the world to me. I just feel if something's audio described, I am just so grateful and I feel so much more included. I, I hope more people and more and more people do it. And I think they are even on, 
Hulu and Prime, mm -hmm. stuff like that. There, there's more audio description available. It's very nice. Absolutely, yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. Now, that's not the only thing that you've got going on, though, because you you've been adding a lot of things, not just product, but also the videos and recipes and and uh, and blog posts, different things to your website, and so that's been growing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and since our we talked about it on the last podcast we did, but. The collection wasn't out yet. It's a grilling and barbecue collection, mm -hmm. and it has 10 different tools specifically designed to make a grilling experience safer, easier for uh, people with vision loss who like grilling. And there's a lot of us out there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, absolutely. And now you already had, and one of the things that I push is heat-resistant gloves. You already had a pair of heat-resistant gloves on your website just in your normal um, you know, cooking and kitchen uh, groups and, and things that folks could purchase. But you added a second uh, pair of gloves to the grilling uh, to the grilling um, collection, right? And what what's the difference? Just so folks know if they're looking at your website and they see the two different sets of heat resistant gloves, what's what's the difference? Okay, so the first one we already had was called the heat glove, and it is four fingers and a thumb. So you're, you, it's very flexible, and it has silicone designs on it so that you, when you're reaching to grab a pan out of the stove or a hot casserole dish, the, sil the silicone not only serves to protect you from the heat of the pan, but it also has a non-skid function. So when you go to reach under that heavy pan, unless it's really greasy on the outside, mm -hmm. um, you, you're going to be able to grab them. Both sets of gloves have those same properties. But the difference between the heat gloves and the grilling gloves is that the heat gloves stop at your wrist. Because in the blind kitchen, we advocate that you never put your arms in the oven. There's no reason to. You can just put your fingers around the front of the rack while you're wearing the heat gloves and pull the rack out, pull the food out to you to work with it. Yeah. I have... I have war scars on my forearms from <laughs> reaching into the oven, believe me. Mm -hmm. um, but now I just don't do that. I just bring the rack halfway out to me, and then now there's no need for my arms to be in the oven. So with the grilling gloves, however, you have to reach over hot coals or flame or whatever when you're outside. There's no pulling a rack to you right. when you're grilling. So these run about five inches up your forearm and provide extra heat protection so you don't burn the hairs on your arm as you're, yeah, yeah, <laughs> as yeah. you're handling your hot food on the grill. So right. that's the difference between the two of those. Yep, absolutely. And and the dexterity and everything is the same. They're very they're they're great for that. The the dexterity is very good. Um, you can still feel things really well plus the protection that you get. So um, that they they both work really, you know, really good. I've got I've got both sets. I like them. And, and you're right, you know, with the oven, uh, I actually had another guest on a while back and, uh, I, he has heat resistant gloves on, on his website, but he, he was, I was telling him the difference and he, of course he cited, but he was like, well, that wouldn't you want longer gloves, you know, for reaching into the oven. And then that's when I told him, I was like, no, because when you're blind, you pull things out, you never reach in. He's like, he never thought about, you know, that, you know, that being the case. And so, yeah, it was it was one of those things. A lot of times, folks don't think about it, and and sometimes if even if you're blind or visually impaired and you have sighted parents growing up, you know they oftentimes will reach in. They didn't pull the racks out, 
right, and, right. and and so that's how they would teach you to do it. Just be careful. Don't raise your forearms too high or burn, you know, and hit the top of the inside of the stove, you know, and, and like you said, you know, you do it a few times, you learn that lesson, but, um, but yeah, it, when you actually have some, uh, some training for the, from those who are blind or visually impaired, like you who know what they're doing and know some of those little, little tips and tricks, it can make a big difference when it comes to safety, uh, for sure. Yeah. And you know, the other thing it about cooking or grilling blind, it takes more time. So when you're pulling that casserole dish out of the oven or the cake pan, it's an extra step to pull that rack out. If you're just reaching and grabbing the pan that that's and put it on top of the stove, that's one step. Now you've got to pull the rack out, grab the pan, make sure you've got it safely because you can't use your eyes to make yeah. sure it's you've got it right. Move it up to the top of the stove. Then you've got to reach down, push the rack back in before you can close the door. So I I, I don't hurry when I'm cooking. Right. That, that's when stuff happens. Stuff spills. You know, you get hurt. Mm-hmm. I can't, I get disorganized. I, I'm very much for telling people, allow yourself plenty of time so you can enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And it is, it is something that we should be to, able to enjoy. And, and along with those, with those things, one tip that I would highly recommend is always know what your next step is before you do it. Right. So like you say, you pull that out, you grab that casserole dish. Well, and then all of a sudden you, you're holding this dish and you've got a pot that is <laughs> cooking on the front burner and, you know, something on the counter next to the stove. And you're like, oh, no, where am I going to put this thing? <laughs> right. Know where <laughs> you're going right. with it when you grab it and That's make sure that the point. spot is is clear and ready for you. So you can set it down and you can go through all of those steps safely. So uh, but, yeah, I trust me, I've been caught <laughs> with a pan <laughs> in my hands like, uh, what do I do now? What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but uh, but de- definitely little little things like that, you know, I think sometimes can make a big difference for someone who, you know, uh, they either they can think bags like, oh yeah, been there, done that, or they're they're wanting to uh, get into cooking more, they're wanting to do it more, and as they jump into this venture in the kitchen or at the grill, you know, they they hear some of these little things that they hadn't thought of before and it it just helps them as they go on their on their journey. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing I'll I I want to plug for the website is our recipe section. Mm-hmm. We don't have a whole lot of recipes on there yet, but what we do have I've written them in a way that really helps a blind person to cook. The logical steps like most of the time depending on what the recipe is, I'll have them fabricate all the produce, all the, any fresh herbs or or produce before they go to the protein. So that way they don't have to clean their cutting board to cut fresh produce if they've done the chicken first. So I go through and I say, this is what you should do the steps in this order and set it aside, set it aside or whatever. And that way the recipe comes together. I've already thought all those steps out for people. I I love doing those, but they take forever, but I, then I use them. (laughs) Yeah, right. Absolutely. And that, you know, um, we just launched our website and blindgrilling.com and we have a recipes page and we've got, uh, at least at the time of this record, we got four recipes that are up there right now. But with that said, I did not do that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I what you did, what you're talking about. I just like, here's what you need, here's what you do, uh, now go do it. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. And that's how most of them are. That's, that's right. We yeah. We also insert a blind tip, like a blind tip yeah. uh, to make it easier to do if you have vision loss. And mm -hmm. the other is what tool you need right. to do that particular yeah. step of the recipe. So if you if you don't need the tool or you have one that works for you, great. But if you don't, that that kind of guides you in the right direction. Sure. Yeah. Which is awesome. So which is awesome. So theblindkitchen.com. All right, we're going to be plugging that as we go throughout uh, throughout the episode today because I definitely want folks to go over and check it out, especially with the recipes and and like you're saying with what you've got uh, on there and how you have it organized is, is uh, each recipe is is good for those. For everyone, but especially for those who are blind or visually impaired and getting started, um, and with the way you've laid out the steps is awesome. So I, I need to, I need to take that note and and try to implement <laughs> that. But we're 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 new to the website game, and uh, and so it's uh, and we're doing it ourselves. So. Uh, we're learning. We're learning. We'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> like everything, it just takes time and you've mm -hmm. got to treat it like it's a job. You just got to keep coming back, coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, along with that, with the website, uh, you, like you said, you've got several new items in the grilling collection. There's a few that I want to highlight. And we've mentioned over the past few uh, episodes and going back a few weeks because I've had a chance to use several of them and uh, the, the one that I've probably have had the most questions about lately and have pushed hard um, more than any other is going to be the talking thermometer because I get questions about probes and instant read thermometers all the time. And, you know, that's that is one that every every kitchen needs an instant read thermometer sighted or unsighted non-sighted whatever you know that that is key uh for several reasons but you have an absolutely affordable option on your website when it comes to an instant read thermometer yeah it is loud it's clear um it it runs on batteries um the only thing is about that the style of thermometer we have first of all it's instant read the minute you press the button it's going to tell you what the temperature was the minute you press the second you trust press the button even it what if it's not finished climbing all the way to to what the temperature really is so you, you got to wait count i count to seven and at that point i put it through the meat and then come back halfway so i make sure that the tip of the probe is not touching the pan for the grill it, that it's actually in the center of the meat especially if it's poultry um and then i then i count to seven and then press the button and i do it in at least three different places on the meat just i don't want to poison my friends yeah, or, sure. family yeah, yeah. or make them sick so yeah. that, i'm very very careful but it's very accurate as long as you press it at the right time yeah and you can press it more than once, right? I mean, that's that's no big deal. So if you press it and it's reading, and then you know it's you know wait another couple seconds and press it again, and it will register that second time when you press it. Yep, exactly right. So, um, so you can keep track. But that that is important when it comes to being able to know, especially meat, you know, when things are done and when they're at the right temp. Uh, or if you need to let it go a little longer or, or whatever the situation is, you know, it, the, the thermometers are absolutely vital and important. 
And like I said, you've got one that is uh, as good as any that's out there when it comes to the talking thermometers. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that that's going to be a definite, you know, great option for folks that are out there. Um, Thank you, Chris. So you got that. You've got the gloves. Um, I, I know you've in. Let's see. You've included the corn cob brush <laughs> in the grilling. Did you have that before, though? I had the corn cob cleaner. The cleaner, okay. It's a tool that strips the kernels off the the right. corn, but the corn silk brush was it was new to the grilling the bar okay. grilling and barbecue collection. But okay. they, every one there's ten items in there, and they're all um, available separately, so yeah. you can do it either way. Right, which, which is awesome because um, we have we've already started canning. We've been canning green beans. We just got some of our first tomatoes. Uh, this past week, and of course, uh, you know, cucumbers and cabbage. Our cabbage has been massive. It's been awesome. Uh, so we, you know, we've been really getting a lot of things coming in. The corn hasn't come on just yet. We're waiting on that, <laughs> but uh, but definitely going to be, uh, you know, using that that silk brush for sure uh, when we start uh, getting that corn ready to put up and freeze. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> the other thing that uh, we've had a lot of questions come in about vegetables and kebabs. And so I wanted to talk about the skewers because last time you were on, you mentioned the skewers, but they weren't out yet. And, okay. um, and, and so now I want to talk about the skewers because you, you described them last time, but go ahead and describe them again. And then um, I want to get into uh, the the use of the skewers. I want to get into the you know your idea a recipe for maybe a marinade, and then um, how you do your skewers when you're getting ready to throw them on the grill. Okay, yeah. So our skewers are different in that if you have just a traditional skewer, whether it's a wooden skewer or a uh, just a steel rod or even a flat steel rod. Sometimes, especially when you're cooking vegetables, as they cook, they steam and the opening where that skewer is going through gets bigger. So you can actually be trying to turn, let's say, a, a row of cherry tomatoes on a skewer and that that skewer will just be spinning <laughs> helplessly inside <laughs> the tomatoes. And, it, and that one part of it is still exposed to the heat source. Our skewers are about 11 inches long the handles about five inches long and the the rods are about six inches long and there's two rods that come out from the handle and the reason this helps is is because if you put those two rods through a cherry tomato there's no way you can't turn it it's it has two points of contact so it can't spin hopelessly in there it's going to have to lift up and turn the whole row of cherry tomatoes or whatever you have so it, that's a real nice feature of it, that you are going to know with 100% certainty that, that they're going to turn over. The other nice thing about it is, is, of course, you'll know where your food is on the grill if you've got, you know, the handle hanging over the edge. That's always a nice thing about grilling when you can't see what you're doing. But there's also a little rectangular metal plate that runs between the handle and the skewers. And when you're ready to take the food off of the skewer, you actually push the little metal plate. So there's a protection between your fingers and the hot food. So that's a nice option too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that works, that works really well um, for a couple of reasons, but I really like the double skewer aspect of it because 
Um, again, like you said, when you're trying to flip some things, but even with our little trick that we've done on blind grilling, when it comes to things like hot dogs and brats and, and running that through the ends, um, perpendicular to the, the brats or the hot dogs, you know, even with that second skewer, uh, you know, we're able to flip in one smooth motion, you know, those hot dogs or brats and that, uh, you know, with, with those particular skewers, they work really well for that also, uh, which is, which makes it really nice and easy for someone who's blind or visually impaired. Oh, excuse me. Rather than chasing hot dogs and brats with, <laughs> with a pair of tongs, you know, around a hot grill, uh, you're exactly. able just to grab that skewer and, and get them flipped, which is great. So, well, the other thing you were talking about vegetables, these mm-hmm. double skewers, you can take asparagus and get it all trimmed and ready and you can run these through. So you line That's up right. the asparagus what the tip facing left and right next to it put another asparagus with the tip facing right so now you've got this row raft of asparagus and you run the skewer through the center of those rods and you can flip them all at the same time yeah and and asparagus are small they can fall between the the grill so you do them perpendicular Mm -hmm. but this is a second protection of making sure they don't end up in your heat source yeah exactly yeah that's that is great and i hadn't thought about the asparagus because yeah, I mean that's that's great. You know, we've got these grill baskets, this um, this like a, almost like a skillet, but it's got holes that we'll sometimes put vegetables in. Um, but um, you know, then you know we've got to stir them around and 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 do different things. But I, I really like the convenience of of the skewers as well because <clears throat> you know you don't have food on top of one another. You know where how they're spaced and and they're going to stay that way. So it's really exactly. good for keeping track of things. It's predictable. So. And we have a grilling basket also in the blind kitchen, and it is about an inch deep. It's about, I'd say, I, I'm not sure, 12 inches wide and maybe nine inches long. And it literally has a hinged lid. So you can also put food in that, and it you can close up the lid, and then you can turn it over, and you'll know everything has been flipped, and it's all contained safely in that basket. It does change the grilling marks. If you're that into the grilling marks, this isn't going to be the tool for you. Um, But if you're just wanting to grill good, delicious food with a char on it a little bit for your family, it's it's a real nice way to help track food and keep things easy. Yeah. And and it's one of those things, you know, with this collection, there's so many options and so many things for people to think about that is it's geared for those who are blind or visually impaired to help them uh, to be able to do these things on their own and not ask for help, not ask someone to come out and, you know, help make sure I've got this right or that right. You know, the way everything is designed, the way you've got it set up is so that, you know, that we can do this independently. Yep. Yep. Let me tell you about another thing, Chris. I don't think you know about this, but this, I love this thing. I've got something called a bag holder. And what it is, it's made out of plastic and it ha- it's a disc that's about four inches around and it's got a, a non-skid bottom and you stick that on your counter. But then it has two arms that stick up kind of like bunny ears. They just go straight up and you can take, it, it has to be a freezer thickness bag, which I think is 1.7 millimeters. You, you don't want to use a produce bag or a, or a wimpy bag. You want one that has a little bit of, of bulk to it. And then on the top of the little arms, there are little clips that inside and they grab the center part of one side of the zipper of the bag. And then you put the other side of the zipper 
And so they're, they're facing out kind of like a V. So that opens that bag in front of you. And that bag is being held open. So when you're doing marinating, especially if you're working with raw proteins or something like that, where it's, it's gross, you've got to touch the bag to find out where it is. You, you've got, maybe yeah, you're yeah. using some kind of sticky honey or maple syrup in your marinade or whatever. It can really be a mess. But with this, it holds the bag open and you never have to touch the bag. So when you're done putting the marinade in, putting the vegetables in or whatever, you can just go and, you know, wash your hands in the sink and the outside of the bag and the top of the bag, it's all clean. Wow. It's yeah. really nice. And, now, and the, go ahead, finish that. And, and then I got a question about it. Sure. So the other thing is like it holds a quart size when the handles are, are when you first open it, the handles are about, I'd say five inches tall. So you put your quart quart zipper bag in there but if you want to use a gallon size you can actually extend the rod you pull them up and they they just come up 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 and now you it'll hold a gallon size bag so it's adjustable and then when you're done with it you clean it it's made out of plastic simple you push the the arms back down onto the base so it's small and then you they fold over so you can store it flat wow awesome awesome So nice tool. let me ask you this, because this is something that we run into with sous vide bags that we're going to vacuum seal. Right. And sometimes when you're putting when you're putting something into a sous vide bag uh, and then when you go to seal it or just a va- if you're going to vacuum seal anything. Right. It, right you run right. into the same problem where it sometimes if you get whether it's a if you've seasoned something or, you know, uh, a little seasoning gets on that top opening, it won't seal. Right when we're sous vide, so we got to always clean off where we're going to put that in the vacuum sealer and and run it through the vacuum sealer. Do you think if we had the bags cut to the right size, that it would hold a like a sous vide type uh, bag open? I am not sure. I know the thickness would be fine. Those yeah. are they're made with heavy duty plastic. But what the little handles kind of grip? They're just basically a U turn at the top with little plastic ribs on it. Yeah. So they actually hold that plastic zipper panel. Gotcha. So I don't know if the if it would be enough of a clasp on yeah. if you don't have that zipper panel. Well, I'm going to test it. I'm going <laughs> to test it. I'm going to test it and find out because that would be I that would be something that I, I never knew I needed until you just described it. <laughs> It's like, you know, he's like, man, I wish I could get this done without doing this. But you're like, I never even thought. I wonder if they make a tool to hold this open like that. And <laughs> it gives you an extra pair of hands. <laughs> that's right. It does. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Um, but that, I definitely with, with zipper, Ziploc bags, um, especially, you know, when we do a lot of, uh, in fact, just this past episode, we talked about grilling up chicken for different recipes and then, you know, using leftovers. When you go to put those leftovers you know, in a Ziploc and store them, then, I mean, that would be, yeah, you get it all sliced up in there, you know, if it's already seasoned rather than getting all that, you know, and getting it to where, because sometimes the zipper won't, anything gets in there, it keeps it from sealing right, properly. Right. And right. so that would be great. That would be good. Yeah, pulled pork, stuff like yeah. that. It's yeah. saucy, that, that yeah. it, frees, it frees up the bag, so mm-hmm. you, it keeps things cleaner. Sure, yeah. Wow, I'm looking forward to that. Wow, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Wow. Well, um, so I tell you what, let, let's get into the the kebabs and um, and the marinade. And if you don't mind, if you'll share with us a marinade recipe of yours, one of your favorites, 
And then we're going to talk about uh, answering a question from one of our listeners that asked about how to know when vegetables are done. And we're going to talk about your recommendation when it comes to putting everything on the skewers and uh, and keeping track of, of each food. But let's first get into the, the marinade recipe. Okay. The marinade recipe for people that aren't really that into making a simple bottle of Italian salad dressing is a great marinade. Just dump it in the bag, put your stuff in it. It's got your oil in it. It's got citrus in it. It's got um, usually some something tangy, something salty, something sweet. That, that That's as easy as that. I, I have my marinade is going to be put on the website, um, but it has soy sauce, Worcestershire sauce, juice of a lemon, um, salt. I don't put any salt in it because um, there's enough salt in the soy and the Worcestershire to carry that. But And if you uh, are vegan, you can actually put in molasses instead of the Worcestershire sauce um, because Worcestershire sauce does contain fish sauce and molasses. That's what gives it that very strange taste that really bumps up the game. And then I'll put in any herbs that I want. If I'm putting in dry herbs, I make sure they rehydrate before I rub them on anything or or whatever. And I add sugar, and, or you can add maple syrup, you can add honey, you could add monk fruit sugar, which is good, good for diabetics. So anything sweet, tangy, salty, and if you can get that umami flavor in there, you can just, the, the, the recipe on my website is completely interchangeable. If you're doing something where you want to make something with more of a Mexican theme, switch out the lemon for a lime. I mean, there's if you're doing a seafood, maybe you want to put orange juice in there instead of lemon juice. So there's it's a pretty generic recipe, but they you can get the results you want depending on what you're making. Yeah, awesome. And when you marinate, do you marinate in the bags or do you marinate in, in um, other containers? I always marinate in the bags. Um, some people don't like to use plastic because of, you know, mm-hmm. ecology, all that. And I understand that. But for me, it's more than just I don't want to clean a dirty dish. It's about being able to seal the bag shut and then being able to turn the food and run it. My hands can now touch the food inside the bag without getting dirty and I can make sure that it's getting coated all over the place and I marinate for at least two hours and sometimes up to overnight with that but it'll but that way you can flip it you can turn it you can manipulate the food in there tactily where you can't do that if it's in a dish with a lid right right and and along with that all right so with the marinade and this is going to get into the skewers because a lot of folks when they're getting ready to marinate their food they get they do all the prep they've get all their vegetables cut they get all their meat cut, and then they're going to uh, throw that all into the bag and marinate it all together. And then when they pull it out, what what you you see so often is everyone puts they, – they alternate everything on the skewers, right? So they're going to put on a, a green pepper, a piece of chicken. They're going to put on a, 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 an onion. Then they're going to put on a piece of pineapple and then a cherry tomato – and they're going to alternate, right? They're going to create some kind of pattern on there. That's what they're going to do. You do things a little different. 
I do. Those are very pretty. I, that's a, a beautiful presentation for for your guests. I mean, it, it feels very special to get your own skewer in whatever. But there's so much variation in how long foods need to cook. It depends on how hot your grill is. It depends on if it's poultry versus, you know, some type of a, of a steak. Um, or shrimp. Shrimp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll shrimp and shrimp scallions and uh, pineapple and cherry tomatoes make a beautiful one with a teriyaki kind of marinade, but they cook in like minutes. If I put my shrimp on with a, a hunk of red onion, if, if I'm going to grill those, that shrimp is going to be dead long before that onion even thinks about getting tender. So what I do is to keep it easier and more predictable, I put... Um, all my mushrooms on one. I clean them, marinate them, and then I'll put them all on one skewer. My cherry tomatoes will go on another skewer. My onions will go on another. Steak chunks will go on another. Um, and that way I can really control what's happening. It doesn't give you that same presentation, but I just feel like I can keep things safer and taste better with my guests because you're going to eat them. We take them off before you eat it anyway. So <laughs> most people right. just take it all, all of it off the one this time they'd just be grabbing one off here, one off here, one off here, mm -hmm. and it, it it ends up being really good. Yeah. It, now, what about in when you do the marinade? Do you throw them all in the same bag when you marinate? You you can you yeah. can, but then you're going to want to sort them out. It'll take you forever. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To get them on the things, but you you can either do them in separate bags. But uh, the the other thing I'd like to say is you don't want to marinate meat and vegetables together. If you're just doing vegetables, you can reuse that as a dressing or you know, put more vegetables in it. But if you have it with a raw protein of any kind, fish or, or whatever, it's, it's, you, you're going to have to dispose of the marinade after you pull them out. Yeah. Right. And, and you, you know, you mentioned uh, dressings, you know, Caesar, you know, Caesar dressing and things like that. Yeah. That's, you know, when you go and you look at a lot of uh, wild game, like duck or goose or, you know, uh, turkey or some things, a lot of things that you'll find online out there, that's probably one of the most popular marinades I think people use, <laughs> you know, Italian? is some type of Italian dressing. Yeah. 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 They, they use some type of Italian dressing and, uh, uh, and it, it definitely works, but I, I really like, I'm with you. I, I usually do equal parts of the soy and Worcestershire. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, some folks will add either pineapple juice, but you, you add pineapples themselves, which I love also. Uh, but you, you talk about knowing when things are, are done because everything gets done so much quicker or takes longer depending on what it is. So some of the things that take longer, for example, let's, you know, um, you said your red onions, you mm -hmm. know, what, what else when it comes in the vegetable realm, if you had to separate them into uh, quick cooking and longer cooking, you know, can you kind of give us a rundown of that? Yeah. It kind of depends on, well, depends. Onions are generally, it depends on how thick you cut them, are mm -hmm. you wedging them or whatever, but onions take a, a longer time than pretty much any other vegetable to cook. Uh, peppers take a bit of time for them to be able to get as tender as you want to get them. Uh, zucchini, summer squash, it depends again how thick you've cut them and how you've skewered them. One of my favorite things to do is to get the little skinny zucchinis and then cut them into coins that are pretty thick about I'd say about a third or a half an inch thick and then I lay them on their sides so now they they look like quarters all lined up next to each other touching each other 
and run the skewer through them flat. And so that way you've got all that much more surface area. They're full of liquid and part of this whole, the whole barbecuing thing is to get that liquid to dry out a little bit so you can get some char on it. And now you've got all this more surface area and then when you put them over, so they're going to lose their, their moisture quicker, but, yeah, now, but, yeah. but you'll save some of it. So that's another real good way to, to up your game. Right. I, I want to talk about one other thing that, that I, that will up your grilling game. It is so fancy is a grilled Caesar salad. Mm. What you do is you take hearts of romaine. You want to have the whole lettuce. So they're kind of elongated. It's not like a, a iceberg lettuce. It's not round like a ball. It's going to be elongated and you cut it through the core, cut it in half. So what was once more of an oval shape, now you've got a flat side on each of them and you've got two of them. And if you're doing it for a main course, you want to give each person their own half. But if you're doing it for like a side dish, you might quarter those, cut them in half again, but mm -hmm. making sure that you're keeping that core in the center of each of them, it, it being part of the cut, because that's what's going to hold all the leaves together. And then you brush it with oil. I like to use avocado oil because it's got a higher smoking point than olive oil. And it's not as expensive and you're not going to taste it once you're barbecuing yeah. it. So, so just go with that. Some, or vegetable oil is fine too. And I just brush that on there and salt and pepper it. And then you put it on a hot grill. You only need to cook it for about a minute on each side. And you get that char, but you keep the lettuce refrigerated up until the minute you're going to put it on the grill. And so when you go to eat it, you, your guests, you grill it on both sides, you put it on their plate, it's still cold in the middle, but you're getting that char, you're getting that crisp, and then you put uh, Caesar dressing on it, you put Parmesan cheese on it, you can put pancetta that you've roasted in the oven or bacon bits. It is fabulous, and everybody gets their own little plank of, of lettuce. It's wow. a really yeah. easy, and you can grill your lemons. Rub them in with a little bit of sugar because that helps the caramelization, and grill those. And you'll you put that as a as a garnish, and they can squeeze it on it. It just it really is a great grilling option that most people haven't tried. Right? Yeah, I haven't. And and you you got me wanting to though. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, yeah, I, I you know we've done some wilted lettuce like in a pan, you know, but mm -hmm. it's it's not been like you said, keeping it all together. It's just kind of, you know, wilting it in some baking grease or something um, mm -hmm. and, or just pouring baking grease over it just a little bit to, oh, to yeah, kind of wilt yeah. it up. Yeah. We, we've done something like that, but, um, but no, I like that. I like that with the, with the grill uh, and my mind actually, <laughs> I'm like, I got to refocus here on the podcast because I, my mind's <laughs> racing on <laughs> everything else I want to do. I'm thinking about putting the shrimp on there and uh, <clears throat> wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Grilled chicken would go real well. Yes, with it would. Grilled romaine lettuce. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, real quick, like you had mentioned the the different meats too, like you know, shrimp, any seafood, fish, those things are going to go cook really fast. Um, you know, chicken is probably going to take the longest of all the meats, more than likely. But again, you make a good point because the. Being consistent, and this is where your knife skills are going to come in, um, because you want to be as consistent as possible in the size of each piece that you're cooking on on the same skewer, um, because you know when when one piece is really huge and one piece is really small, 
one piece will either get way overdone and the other piece is, you know, not done at all. Uh, or just just going to be so much inconsistency. It's just not going to be a very pleasant eating experience. Um, is there any uh, skills? And and I didn't. I know, I know I didn't prep you for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> but in knife skills, right? When it comes to a knife skill uh, and cutting up, let's say a bell pepper, right, and getting the sizes the same uh, as as much as possible. Can you walk through holding the knife or a, a good method for being able to cut a, a bell pepper? Yeah, good good question. And I'm going to keep the focus on for grilling, not for a salad, but for grilling. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I would advocate that if you are new to cutting or you're, you're trying a new method of cutting is to wear a cut glove on your hand. And it's a thin glove that is cut proof. You can run a put that glove on, you can run a knife back and forth on your palm and it can't cut through the threads. So I definitely recommend you get a cut glove. And the other thing we have is a slicing guide. And what it is, it's like, I want to say almost like a It's got a handle and then it's got, I think, like 10 or 11 long rods coming out of it. So it kind of looks like a a hole, you know, (laughs) for Mm -hmm. on the ground, just got the prongs sticking down, but they're evenly spaced. So if you're cutting, uh, you want to cut a zucchini and you want to make sure those coins get as close as possible, you could, if you want them real thin, you just put this, you put the zucchini down in front of you, you put the slicing guide through the zucchini. So it's kind of like a comb looking down. Those teeth are in the zucchini. And then you can just take your knife and guide it through the guides one by one. And it's there's not going to be a lot of variation. And if you want it thicker, you could go every other tooth of that comb is yeah. how I'm going to call it. And so that's, that's a good way. But in general, first of all, wear a cut glove. I, I highly recommend it. And when you're holding a knife and I almost, I, I have only three knives that I generally use. And one is a chef knife and one is a paring knife. And the other is a serrated bread knife. I can't get along without those three. Yeah. So when I'm holding my, the other thing, I use scissors for so much in right. the kitchen, yeah. a good pair of kitchen scissors. You can, they'll unhook so you can clean them and sharpen them there. It, it's, you really need those too. But if you can't do it with scissors, what you do is you want to hold with your three fingers are holding the handle of the knife. So now you've still got your index finger and your thumb. And you don't want to be pointing with your index finger. You want to pinch the base of the, where the steel meets the handle of the knife. You pinch it. And that's the way you want to hold your knife. Because otherwise, if your hands get slippery, you're working with oil or whatever, the knife can turn in your hand. But if you're pinching it, now you've got two points of contact that are that are keeping it. Plus, if you're cutting a lot, the, when I was in culinary school, one of the chefs says people got uh, carpal tunnel syndrome from holding their index finger out. It, it's This way is much more natural, and you have so much more control. And then you just push through the food. I never come from straight up and then blindly go down. I always have the, the base of the knife, and then I just push through it, kind of like a, I want to say like a rocking motion, like a U, yeah. and then I pick it up and do another U. Um, yeah, the, the knife blade is close to the food before I even start cutting. I, I just want to make sure I have any control. And at some point in time, that motion becomes, I'm not saying I don't think about it because I do. 
I always think about it. I don't think I'll ever get to the point where I can, you know, watch TV and or listen to the radio and do this. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm focusing on it, but it becomes part, you know, just like keyboarding or anything yeah. like that. The more you do it, the more your body kind of knows what it needs to do. Right. Yeah. We, and that that's great. I mean, those guides are awesome. A sharp knife is imperative. You got you know, that's a safe is a sharp knife is a safe knife, as we often say uh, on the program. Uh, but uh, having knowing how to hold it and and going through the, the proper motion is is really key in, in making sure that not only cuts are uniform, but uh, that'll help with your cook as a whole as well. So I think that's great. That's great. Yep. Consistent. So is important for consistent cooking times it's yeah. got to be predictable for us we it's hard for us to pivot if if we can't touch something that's very hot or something like that it's it's hard to pivot so yeah you want to make sure everything's right before you so one more thing before we go for today's program because and this is because i already know i'm, I'm probably going to get some more questions on this if we don't try to address it and and this is going to be a little bit more difficult i'm, I'm really going to test you here <laughs> with when it comes to chicken, when it comes to beef, when it comes to pork, uh, there's a set temp for the most part. There's a you know a slight variation, right? When it comes to a, a baked potato, right? They they recommend like the you know search for a 208 to 210 internal temp for a nice baked potato. But when it comes to cooking the pineapple as opposed to a green bell pepper, right? If you're blind or visually impaired. What what indication? What are you doing? Is there a feel? Because I don't know of a temp to look for on those types of things. Yeah, I don't think temp is gonna help you on right. that. But but knowledge will help me. So like, pineapple is very acidic. In fact, you don't really want to mar marinate chicken in it. It'll eat. It'll if you leave it overnight chicken in, in pineapple juice, it'll completely destroy the chicken. Yeah, It's a tenderizer. So, but it's also full of sugar. So it cooks extremely fast. It's very easy. I would never put pineapple and bell peppers on it. But in terms of checking for doneness, I agree with you. Temp won't work. It's imperative for cooking poultry and stuff like that. But um, you can have medium rare salmon. You can have medium rare meat. There's, there's a whole range. But um, with Fork tender is what I generally do. Is if it's still on the skewer, I can pull the skewer off for a second, and then I'll poke it with a fork, just like I do a potato. If I'm making mashed potatoes, I'll pull one out of the water with with my spider, and then poke it with a fork. And if it's fork, if it's tender, then I'll go ahead and eat it. Um, and a lot of this has to do with preference. That's right. Yeah. Without a doubt, how nobody wants a mashed potato that's still not cooked all the way. That's through. right. But some people want their bell peppers cooked super soft, and other people like to have a little chew to it mm -hmm. I'm in the latter class there. So there's there's no right answer, but the, the whole idea is to keep checking. Um, I'm not a big fan of closing the grill unless I'm smoking something, because then you're kind of steaming the food as mm -hmm. a rule. And I don't want to be steaming it because now you've got a closed environment. It depends on how hot it is and stuff, too. So there's no quick cut and dry answer. How hot is your grill? How thick is the chunk of fruit or vegetable you've got on it? it, it it's variable and it's trial and error. You learn to do it. Do it until you figure out a way that you like it. That's it's right. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the more you do it, the more you get to eat. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> That's right. 
You know, and, and you'll probably find somebody who's like, I like it this way, and somebody else will be like, no, I like it the other way. And then you're going to be right back where you were to begin with. How do yep. I know when it's, it's like, well, <laughs> well, who are you cooking for? I guess it's, it's where it's going to come down to. Awesome. It's true. And smell is a huge indicator, right. too. Of course, we all know when our toast is burning. That's a mm-hmm. very distinct that's smell. Right. And, and food, the smell, the food talks to you, to not only you being able to hear it, but also being able to smell it. So you, mm-hmm. what, but you aren't going to know that the first time you go to bake a cake, you know, how, what it's going to smell like when it's done. Yeah. But by the time you bake your 10th cake, it's going to like, oh, it's nearly done. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it you, do it en- you do it enough, like sauteing onions, uh, you do it enough and you'll get to know the feel of when they become transparent. Even though you can't tell, you can't see, there is a feel as they begin to soften uh, and they get that kind of that transparency to them. Um, I think there's a feel to it as well I that agree. you learn. I agree. So they go in very stiff rings or whatever, mm-hmm. and they they at some point they let that stuff let the moisture go, and they just become much softer and translucent, like you said. You just know it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, Deborah, thanks so much for coming back on the Blind Grilling Experience and talking about uh, the the website and things. Uh, why don't you let us know again what the website is and how to get in touch with you or make uh, place any orders? Sure. Um, it's theblindkitchen.com. Be sure to put in the word the, or it's going to send you to a whole different site. That's not me. Um, and you can either go on the website and submit a communication form or if you want to give me a call I can help you place orders or or answer some of your questions and I'm at 503-313-2345 I'm in Portland Oregon we're completely web-based and just go to the website and look at all the different video tutorials that tell you what the tools are what they do why they're blind friendly and how to use and care for them and they all come packaged in labels that are large print and braille so it's a very accessible yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it, it's great it's always good to receive a package in the mail everybody likes that everybody <laughs> yeah, likes it. Exactly. and you know what and receiving one in braille i always oh, yeah. feel like oh man you know yeah <laughs> you get great. so few packages like that you're right right yeah you know exactly what it is yeah yep, as soon as you yep. open it that's awesome all right. Well, folks, we appreciate everybody tuning in, listening to the Blind Grilling Experience. We uh, hope you guys will share out the episode and uh, go and check out theblindkitchen.com and all the things that she has on there on that website. Again, they got the uh, heat-resistant gloves. They've got the talking thermometer. Uh, they've got the skewers that are awesome. Just, uh, just a great collection for both the kitchen and the grill. So go and check it out. And check out our new website, blindgrilling.com. And until next time, remember, folks, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Keeps turning. Don't worry what you got to do. Because if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Fire up the barbecue. Fire up the barbecue.